This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. And once again, we're under the gun for time, so let's get right to it and enjoy William Conrad as Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of... Gun smoke. Gun smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Hey, all you pretty travelers, you listen to me. You gotta get welcome to Dodge City proper like. Hey, you there, mister. I said you. You addressing me, sir? I reckon I am. You a preacher? Not exactly. You dress like a preacher. If you'll excuse me. Back up, fancy pants. You ain't no preacher. I figure I'm making you dance some for the folks. You think you can hoorah me? Dude, I said dance. Dance or the next shot will take off one of your toes. I don't think I'd like that. Doc, no. All right, Thorne, put up the gun. Marshal, you got a wild and woolly town here. Marshal, you move aside. I'm going to make this grinning dude kick up his heels for us. I'd say that might be quite a trick, Thorne. Unless he's changed a lot since I last met him. Have you, Doc? Not for the good, Matt. <laughs> I was afraid. You pacey-faced tenderfoot. I said for Shut you... Shut up, Thorne. He's drunk, Doc. He's dead. You just don't know it yet. I'll take it good if you'd meet me later at my office. All right, Matt. To you. Well, that's sure a lot of talk. Now I'm going to shoot that dude's boot heels. Fire one shot and I'll pistol with you, son. What's that? You're kind of forgetting who's holding a gun, ain't you? I wasn't forgetting. Oh, my wrist. You broke my wrist. I doubt it. Now let's go to jail. Oh, you can't put me in jail. I'm Thorne Finley. Move. Oh, you wait like hell, Big Jack, about this. And I will, too. Do that. He might be grateful to me for saving your neck. You pulled some fool stunts, Thorne, but you've never been closer to dying than just a minute ago. Do you mean from that fancy pants? 
Well, I could handle six like him. That makes you a lot of men. I can name a dozen pretty good gun hands who can't handle one of it. What? That's Doc Holliday. by the time White Earp gets through. He is the peacemakingest man I ever met outside of you. <laughs> Matt, who was the teller head down at the depot anyway? Oh, Thorne? He's just a spoiled kid. Kid? Couldn't be much younger than you. Sure, but Thorne never grew up. His father has coddled him and protected him and gotten him out of scrapes ever since he was a pup. He's never had to be a man. Not with Big Jack wet nursing him. Big Jack. Big Jack Finley. Oh, you know him? I've heard of him. Well, that figures. He owns about half of Kansas. Star in a box runs more cows than he can count. Swings a lot of weight and dodge. Yeah, too much. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon, somebody said that Doc Holliday had come into town today and he... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it's all right, Chester. Why don't you shake hands with him? Don't mind if I shake with my left hand. It's kind of habit. Yeah, I know. Mr. Dillon has the same habit. He would. How about dinner tonight, Matt? Sure, sure. <coughs> How long will you be in Dodge? Not long. <coughs> Just till I finish a chore. Uh-huh. That, uh, chore have anything to do with Big Jack Finley? Might say so. It's gonna kill him. Got to close the door, Mr. Finley. You're going to turn my boy loose? I'm going to have to do it for you. You got a writ of habeas corpus? Writ? Thorn didn't commit no crime. Charges are drunk and disorderly, disturbing the peace, and attempted assault with a deadly weapon. I was. You still need a writ. But man, Judd Nathan does what I say, and you know it. Don't you think I can get a writ? I'm sure you can and will. You always do. Then what's the point, Dylan? It's just a lot of useless red tape. It's a law. Close the door on the way out. All right, Thorne. Didn't I tell you Big Jack would get me out? When are you going to learn you can't save the speech? The law can't touch a Finley. You ought to get smart, Marshal. Like you. Sure, like me. Hi, Big Jack. You okay, son? Fine. Anything else, Mr. Finley? Why, yes. Uh, uh, my boy here is a little boisterous sometimes. I know. High-spirited, you understand? Uh-huh. 
So? So I want to put a stop to all this nonsense of yours, arresting him every time he kicks up his heels a bit. But go on. Well, I'm offering you a job. Let's say, protecting my interests. Two hundred a month. And no work, naturally. <laughs> I see we understand each other perfectly. No work, of course. All I have to do is just shut my eyes whenever Junior here breaks the law, huh? I said we understand each other. There's no need to elaborate on it, Dylan. There's a big need. Only how do I explain to a person like you that some men don't wear a price tag? Huh? How do I explain how I feel about a so-called respectable citizen making the law his private doormat? Hey, you're nothing but the stupid gunman I've always thought you were. I understand you took the part of Doc Holliday against my son. I kept Thorne from committing suicide, yeah. You sided with a notorious killer against an important citizen of this community. Now I'm telling you, Dylan. I don't want him in Dodge tomorrow. Doc may be a gunfighter, but he's clear with the law, Finley, and a better man than your son will ever be. What? Why, I... That hurts, doesn't it? You... I'm serving notice, Marshal. You run that killer out of Dodge City, or I'll do it myself. Big Jack Finley. Cattleman and self-made king of southern Kansas. No better or worse than most of the men carving empires out of the West. Until love for his son blinded him to the fact that Thorne Fenley had gone bad. And from here on, I knew the war was on between Big Jack and me. So Big Jack Fenley's going to run me out of town, huh? No. Unless I do it first. Oh? I do something naughty, man? You threaten a man's life. <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> and just between friends, man. Anything else, Doc? Not murder. Murder? I can give him an even break. Now with you, that's still murder. Uh, don't you think you better tell me about it? Mm-hmm. What if I don't tell you? Now, then my job's to warn Finley and try to protect him. You're a tough man to be friends with, man. It applies to you, too, doesn't it? Maybe it does at that. Didn't realize I put you on the spot by spouting off my good intentions. Sorry. Oh, forget it, forget it. You want to talk to me? <coughs> All right. Remember a girl named Ruth Davis? Mm-hmm. Died in a riding accident a few months ago. Always wondered if it wasn't suicide. She lost her brother two weeks before that. No accident. No suicide. You sure? Sure. You know, Ruth and her brother ran the ranch alone. Mm -hmm. A man started pestering Ruth, and she hated him. Her brother kicked the man off the ranch. This fellow dry gulps Ruth's brother made it look like a robbery. You have any proof of this? Yeah. Ruth was afraid to go to the law, so she sent a letter to me. Here, read it yourself. She says the man was Finley and says she expects him to try and shut her up for good. Well, that doesn't mean it's Big Jack. I went to see Ruth's folks. They had her belongings. Among them, I found this. Hmm. Watch chain. Engraved J.F. on the clasp. Jack Finley. You see why I've got to kill him, Matt? He forced Ruth's horse over that cliff, sure. But do you still think she died accidental? No. But who's responsible is something for a court to decide. Court? 
With Finley's money and influence, he wouldn't spend five days in jail even if he was convicted, which he wouldn't be. He doesn't own the court. Maybe not, but it's still the most powerful man in the state against a dead girl whose only friend is Doc Holliday. How do you think a judge will decide? Doc, I'm going to ask you a favor. Make it one I can give. I got an idea, but uh, you must let me handle it my way. Give the law a chance. All right, Matt, I can wait. Thank you. I'll keep this letter in chain for a while. All right, but if the law fails, I'll brace Big Jack Finley when he walks out of the courthouse. And you'll be bracing two men, Doc. Finley and me.
As you found during the Republican convention, CBS Radio never misses. So starting Monday, stay with CBS Radio all day and evening for the Democratic convention. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Mm. You, uh, 
rode the right hunch, Marshal. What? Thorne is your man, just like you figure. He had a yen for the Davis girl, but he kept it quiet. Guess he didn't want it known she throwed him over. But the watch chain. Big Jack gave that to Thorne on his 25th birthday. Whole ranch can testify to that. Mm. Good. All right, thank you, Moncrief. You, uh, gonna try and arrest Thorne? Why? If Big Jack believes Thorne killed that girl, it'll break his heart. Broke her neck. If he don't believe it, then he'll protect Thorne. And, Marshal, there's not enough lawmen in the state of Kansas to make Big Jack give up his son. which has heard the worst. Uh-uh. What's that? Uh, why, I... Uh, Judge, I'm here on business. Oh, of course. Uh, come in, won't you? In my study here, so we won't be disturbed. Now, what is it, Marshal? I want you to swear out a warrant for Thorn Finley's arrest. Charge murder. seems to have bounced off his thick skull. Good. Uh, let's pull your teeth. Uh, better you do it. With your left hand, reach down and across slow. Pull your gun out with your fingertips and toss it away. Nervous? Just cautious. Or maybe this queen doesn't exist, huh, Thorne? 
Queen! Queen's one of Dad's men, but uh, I pay him extra to work for me. Any more questions? Uh, I guess not. There's my gun. The rifle next. I, uh... I got a penknife in my pants pocket. You know why Holiday came to Dodge? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you do. You wouldn't be riding with him. And he's not going to tell any stories to my dad or anyone else. Uh, you can't kill us, you Not planning on killing you. And what have you got planned? A queen's kind of a magician. He's going to make Holiday just disappear. Folks won't care much about one of his kind. I would. I'd care so much I'd hang you for it. No. No, with Holiday gone, it's your word against mine. And you won't be able to approve a thing, Dylan. You sure of that? I'm sure. Otherwise, I take care of you along with Holiday. Now, get on and start walking back to town. It's like I told you. Law can't touch a Finley. It was no time for heroics, so I walked. When I reached a turn, I cut back through the rocks, but it was too late. They were gone. And with them, the horses, guns, and Doc Holiday. Two miles up the road, I found my horse turned loose. And with a mind full of cold hate, I raced onto the star in a box. On the front porch of the ranch house was one of Big Jack's men. Hold it right there. Out of my way, mister. I'm in no mood to shake hands. Where are you heading, lawman? You don't hear well. <laughs> Holiday. Friendly. How should I know? Get off my ranch. And where's that prize son of yours? What? Trot him out. I want him. Do you now? What on earth for? Thorne, put that gun away. Oh, no. This is just in case the marshal loses his temper. I've lost it, Junior. Sure. Dylan, I've had all I'm going to stand from you. You just think you have. Where's Holiday, Thorne? Where'd Queen take him? Holiday? Why, well, I haven't the faintest idea. Where is Queen, Dad? The righty fence line, but... Gee, Marshal, we don't know where your friend is. You're under arrest, Thorne. What's that? Ask him to show the warrant. Here. Read it, Finley. What? Oh, no. No, th th that's not possible. The judge wouldn't issue a warrant without proof. He has proof, Thorne. This is a lie. Thorne couldn't be guilty of murder. No. Take a look at his face. Son. Daddy's trying to frame me. J don't let him get away with this. No, I won't. I won't. Get out, Dylan. Man, open your eyes. This is not going to help you. You heard me. I don't believe you, your warrant, or your proof. I believe my son. So get off this ranch. Get out of the state. You let me see you again, so help me. I'll kill you myself. Forget me. You're bucking the law. You can't I'm in my own law. You so do I. Doc Holliday. You're supposed to be dead. Queen was supposed Queen's to be... the one who's dead. I carry a knife in my boot just for men like him. Thorn. God help me. You are guilty. He sure is. And if he knows any prayers, he'd better get them over with. No, Doc. He goes back with us as our prisoner. You're wrong, Marshal. I'll take care of my son. Dad. No. You rotten, lying, murderous. Please, pup. please don't. I Dad. should have strangled Stand you. Stand away from me. 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 Stand away from
Officer, I guess I'm not a very peaceful man. You could be, Doc. <laughs> no, I'm not going to change, and you shouldn't. Law needs men like you. No, if I stayed there, there's too good a chance I might cross you. Yeah. Then I'd have to meet you over gun barrels, and it's one thing I'm afraid of. So long, man. would have thought Doc Holliday was scared of meeting anyone in a gunfight. Hmm. You don't understand, Chester. Doc's afraid because he might beat me. Smoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Herb Purdom, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in our cast were Harry Bartell as Doc Holliday, with Lee Millar, Nestor Piva, Ralph Moody, and Tom Tully. Parley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week. As Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for Jack Benny next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for the Jack Benny Show. The Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Dealing low. Dealing to leave the stage. I want to talk to the entire cast. 
Is there anything wrong, Mr. Benny? Yes, there's plenty wrong, Dennis. Now, look, I don't want to get mad. I don't want to lose my temper. But the broadcast we just finished was one of the sloppiest shows I've ever heard. Everyone fluffing their lines, missing their cues. All right, Jack, it's over. Let's forget it. We won't forget it, Mary. In fact, I want to talk to you first. To me? Yes. I can't understand what happened to you when you read your mother's letter. I haven't heard you get words so mixed up since that time in the restaurant when you ordered a chit sweet sandwich. <laughs> no, really, it was awful. Well, I, I'm sorry, Jack, but I just couldn't help it. Yesterday, the dentist put a new gold crown on one of my teeth, and it bothers me when I speak. Look, Mary, I don't want any excuses. I'm just telling you that a gold crown... <laughs> Yes. What happened to your old one? You kissed me and it melted. <laughs> Gee, I didn't know. I... Oh, don't be funny. <laughs> and now for you, Phil. During the program, you made a mistake that almost ruined a big laugh. I did? Yes. You were supposed... <laughs> Look, Phil. You were supposed to say that your new car came equipped with a Dynaflex superflowing Unijet turbovasculator, which is synchromesh with the multi-coil hydrotension dual vacuum dynamometer. Uh-huh. But instead of that, instead of that, Phil, you said your new car came equipped with a Dynaflex superflowing Unijet turbovasculator, which is synchromesh with a multi-coil hydrotension dual vacuum dynamometer. mater. Imagine dynamometer. mater. <laughs> I said that? <laughs> you certainly did. Holy smoke, and I stayed on the wagon all week to get that line right. <laughs> well, I'll give you one more chance, Bill. Read it now. Jackson, I wouldn't read that line again if you named me in your will. A will? What's that? That's when you leave your money to somebody. Whoever started a silly thing like that... <laughs> Now, let's see, uh, who else made a mistake? Oh, yes, Dennis. Go ahead, whip me, beat me, torture me, but I'll carry on. Laugh, clown, laugh! <laughs> Dennis, stop that! <laughs> okay, did I do something wrong on today's show, Mr. Benny? Yes, you did, Dennis. In our sketch, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, I let you play two parts, didn't I? Yes, sir. But when you play the old prospector, you put in a line that wasn't even in the script. Yes, sir. You said, so long, I'll see you on page 12 when I come back as a Mexican bandit. <laughs> Didn't you? Si, senor. Now, if it wasn't in the script, why did you say you were coming back later? Well, my mother was listening, and I didn't want her to tune out. Wait a minute. You mean your mother only listens to the part of the program that you're on? Yeah, she thinks you're awful. <laughs> Look, Dennis. She said if you didn't have the mortgage on our house, she'd slap your silly face. <laughs> all right. All, I didn't keep you here to discuss my real estate holdings. <laughs> the, 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 
the point I'm trying to make is this. If there's going to be any more ad-libbing on this program, I'll be the one to do it. Oh, fine. What? You couldn't ad-lib there off if you were at the Kentucky Derby and your suspenders broke. <laughs> suspenders broke. Suspenders broke. Mary, don't be so smart. You can be replaced, you know. There are plenty of other girls in the May Company that can read lines. <laughs> now, kids, I wasn't bawling you out. I just wanted you to be a little more careful. Well, Jack, you didn't say anything to me. Does that mean I read my lines right? Yes, Don, you read your lines perfectly. But I do have one little complaint about the way you stand on the stage. What do you mean? Well, when the sportsman quartet came on to do their number, you were standing in front of the microphone blocking them. Now, you should have stepped aside. But, Jack, I did step aside. No, no, Don. The part that had legs stepped aside, the rest of you stayed. Now, watch it next time, pear shade. <laughs> hey, gang, how about all of us going over to the drugstore for a sandwich? That is, if Mr. Benny has concluded the chastisement of his fellow thespian. <laughs> Phil, did that, uh, that come out of you? Certainly. What's so unusual about me knowing words of more than one cylinder? That cylinder! <laughs> A cylinder is something round and hollow, like your head. Now, kids, you go to the drugstore, and I'll meet you at later. I got to go to my dressing room and change. Gee, I hated to ball them out, but I just had to. I hope I wasn't too harsh with them. Especially Phil. He's so sensitive. Oh, hello, Rochester. Oh, hello, boss. I didn't know you were in my dressing room. What are you doing with that typewriter? Just what you told me to do. I'm making out the weekly payroll. Oh, yes. You go ahead and finish while I change clothes. Yes, sir. Mary Livingston and 40 cents. <laughs> oh, Rochester, where are my shoes? Uh, under the couch. Bill Harris. And 30 cents. I don't see my shoes. Oh, yes, here they are. Don Wilson. And 50 cents. Rochester. Van Jones. And 12 cents. Hey, Rochester, have you made out Dennis Day's salary check yet? Uh, no, boss, I'm just coming to it. Oh, good. I want you to add $2 to Dennis's check. Well, that's nice. Did you give him a raise? No, we burned one of his shirts ironing it. <laughs> so while you're at it, deduct a dollar from your check and a dollar from mine. Next time we won't be so careless. <laughs> By the way, Rochester, did you have the radio on? Uh-huh. Were you listening to my program? Uh-huh. What'd you think of it? We better stop burning shirts. <laughs> You're right, Rochester. Well, I'm all dressed. Step aside, please. I want to use the mirror. Okay. Here's your comb, boss. Thanks. Here's your hair. <laughs> Thanks. Gee, I look tall. Take the old one off first. Oh, yes. 
Well, I'm going, Rochester. And before you leave, hang my clothes up in the closet, will you please? Yes, sir. You know, it was nice of CBS to pick up this dressing room for me and put in all this plumbing. Boss, the plumbing was here. They just built the dressing room around it. <laughs> oh, then I guess the whisk room was left over, too. <laughs> well, see you later, Rochester. So long. Rochester, while you're at the typewriter, I wish you'd jot down the words, they're off. They're off? What's that, boss? It's something I want to ad lib in case my suspenders ever break at the Kentucky (laughs) Bird. So long. Oh, boss, boss. What is it, Rochester? I forgot to tell you while you're on the air, Mr. Hooper called. Hooper? You're telling me you were listening to my program? He didn't care about that. He called about his shirts. <laughs> oh, well, they won't be ready till Monday. Gee, I remember the time I burned Mr. Hooper's shirt. My rating went down to 9.2. <laughs> or was it 2.9? Oh, well, that was weeks ago. Now my rating is back to 11. Or is it 1.1? Oh, well. Well, Jack, Jack. Huh? Where are you, Don? Well, here in my dressing room with the quartet. Oh. I thought you went over to the drugstore with the gang. Oh, the boys and I are just playing a little gin rummy. Oh, hello, fellas. Say, uh, Jack, I'm terribly sorry there were so many mistakes made on the program today. Well, I am too, Don, and frankly, I haven't been so upset after a broadcast in years. Well, mistakes can happen. Don't let it bother you. I know, Don, but my whole gang has been with me for years. There's no excuse for such carelessness. I really was burned up. Well, Jack, the next time there's anything that upsets you, there's only one thing to do. What's that? Tell him, boys! Powder your face with sunshine. Put on a great big smile. Fill those blue eyes with laughter. I'm not mad, fellas. We'll be laughing with you in a little while. Look at I'm over Put it already. With they always are inside. Get on that level. That lucky level. Smile, smile, smile. Look, I'm smiling. I'm Fill smiling. With I'm not worried. Never be low or They know me here. We'll get served right away. Watch. I prepared this as soon as you came in, Mr. Harris. 
Here's your Broma Seltzer. Thanks. Shall I put two straws in it, or isn't Mr. Emily with you? Now, wait a minute, bud. I don't want no Bromo Seltzer. I'll drink it. Dennis, why do you need a Bromo? I went to a party last night, Liv. <laughs> a party? Boy, oh, boy. <whistles> Did we have fun. <laughs> Just say, spin the bottle, post office, hide-and-go-seek, and sisters, as I get stiff. What? I hid in the deep freeze, and nobody found me. <laughs> Folks would like to sit at the counter. There are three empty seats now. The waiter will take care of you. Oh, yeah. Come along, Miss Livingstone. <laughs> Just a minute, Phil. I'm buying a magazine. Okay, I'll go over and hold this seat. Here's your change, Miss. Well, thank you. Come on, Dennis. Oh, just a minute, Mary. I'm weighing myself. Oh, boy, look at this little card that came out. Well, what does the card say? Go to the races. You may get hot at Hollywood Park. <laughs> Libby. Say, Phil, look. There's an article in this Cosmopolitan about Jack, and it's written by Eddie Cantor. No kidding. What does it say? Oh, just his opening line. Contrary to the miserly character he assumes on the radio, Jack Benny in real life is the most generous man I've ever met. <laughs> Eddie Cantor wrote that about Jackson? Hey, Libby. Freeze again, will you? <laughs> to the miserly character he assumes on the radio, Jack Benny in real life is the most generous man I've ever met. Let me see that magazine, baby. Contrary to the miserly character he assumes on the radio, Bill. Jack Benny in real life Bill. is the most generous man I ever met. And... Bill. Huh? You got the magazine upside down. <laughs> All right, so I memorized it. But imagine anyone saying that Jackson is generous. Well, I think Mr. Benny is very generous. When I first went to work for him, he only paid me $35 a week. What are you getting now? $37. Oh, I gave you a raise. No, he burned one of my shirts. <laughs> oh, Dennis, what are you... Uh-oh, I gotta leave you, kid. There's Remley. Well, I didn't know Remley had a car. That ain't no car. He's got a cold. So long, kid. <laughs> menu so we can... Dennis, where is that kid? Dennis! Oh, I'm over here by the jukebox. Would you like to hear my recording of Little Mother of Mine? Oh, I'd love to. Okay. Sometimes in the hush of evening hour when shadows free from the west, I think of the twilight songs you sang and the boy you loved to rest. A wee little boy with tousled head
he has come to man's estate, grown stalwart in body and strong. You'd hardly know that he was a lad. You loved with your slumber song. The years have altered the form and the light, but the heart is unchanged by time. And still he's only your boy as of They all applauded. Yeah, yeah, they all applauded. Here I am, kids. Did you order yet? Oh, not yet, Jack. We're waiting for you. Oh, good, good. I'll get the menu. Oh, waiter. Waiter. (laughs) (laughs) May we have a menu, please? Certainly. Here you are. Thanks. Now, let's see... Oh, waiter, why have you got all those steering wheels attached to the counter? Those are for people who like to eat in drive-ins and can't afford cars. (laughs) Cars? The one on the end is a convertible. What? If you press the button, the roof comes down. Oh, be quiet! Why do I always run into this crazy guy? I don't know what I want to eat. Dennis, what are you going to order? A hamburger sandwich and check my oil. <laughs> Dennis, stop going along with the waiter. Now, let's see. What do I want? Yeah, are you people going to order, or are you waiting for the floor show? A floor show in a drugstore? Yes. At 8 o'clock, Dr. Scholl comes out and does a fan dance with two foot pads. <laughs> Dr. Scholl? He's corny, but he's good. <laughs> Just take our orders, and that's all. We'll have three hamburgers. Now, go get them. Oh, wait a minute, Jack. I don't want a hamburger. Well, you can have anything you like. What do you want? A chisweed sandwich. <laughs> I know it. I know it. I know it. Stop yelling at the girl. We make wonderful chisweed sandwiches. <laughs> You do? Yeah. Well, then I'll try a chitweed sandwich. <laughs> Would you like me to crimp the truss? <laughs> crimp the truss. I don't know 
Carol, I ever come in this place? The service is awful. The waiter's so... Oh, for heaven's sake, look at that. Waiter, come back here. Now what? Now what? Look at this glass. There's lipstick on it. Well, there's water in it. Wash it off. <laughs> Wash it off yourself. <laughs> you know, Mary, I've never seen such a fresh waiter in all my life. Hey, mister, would you mind moving your elbow so I can get the sugar? I don't know why I come in here anyway. We never can get a booth. We always have to sit at the counter. Mister, would you move your elbow so I can get the sugar? Believe me, Mary, it's the last time I'm ever... Hey, look, bud, I'm trying to get the sugar. What? Would you mind lifting your blockade or do I have to wait till May the 12th? Oh, I'm sorry. Here you are. Now, Mary, as soon oh, as we... Oh, Jack, Jack, look who just came in. Who? Well, what do you know? Eddie Tanner. Eddie, Eddie, come here. Hiya, Jack. Hello, Mary. Well, sit down, Eddie. Have a sandwich or something. Thanks, Jack. Eddie, you know Dennis Day. Sure, sure. Hello, Dennis. Well, Eddie Camper, how do you do? <laughs> Well, I'm not very hungry, but waiter, I'll have a sandwich, uh, chicken sandwich and an ice cream soda. Yeah, very good. Uh, what flavor? The usual, a glass of Patrick Ribbon with a scoop of vanilla ice cream. <laughs> Eddie, ice cream and beer, isn't that an odd combination? Look, Jack, do I say anything when you break six lucky strikes into a bowl and call it the breakfast of champions? <laughs> well, to each his own, I guess. Say, Eddie, that was a nice article you wrote about Jack and the Cosmopolitan. It certainly was, Eddie, and I want to thank you. It was a very honest piece. I'm glad you liked it, Jack. Did you read the part where I said, contrary to the miserly character he assumed on the radio, Jack Benny in real life is the most generous man I've ever met? Yes, I did, Eddie, and only a man like you, who has known me all my life, can appreciate the finer side of my character. Hey, Mary, you want to split a bromo salsa? <laughs> No, my head's all right. It's my stomach that bothers me. Mary, please. Mary, you may think I'm exaggerating about Jack's generosity, but I'll never forget that day in 1928 when he first played the Palace Theater in New York. After the opening performance, Jack walked into Lindy's restaurant and yelled, Okay, fellas, I'll buy drinks for everybody. Buy drinks in 1928? Prohibition wasn't repealed until 1933. Jack was willing to wait. <laughs> Yeah. Here are your orders. Will it be anything else? No, thanks. That'll be all. Say, Eddie, speaking of the palace in New York, remember the fun we used to have in Vaudeville together? Oh, yeah. Jack, remember the time? <laughs> what? What, Eddie? What? What? Remember the time you made a blind date over the phone and you asked the girl if she could bring a friend for me? And she said, yes, yeah, she'd bring a sister? Yeah. <laughs> She had to. They were Siamese twins. <laughs> yeah, they were in Vaudeville, too. They had a great act. They were Their names were Doris and Dorothy Ace. They were billed as aces back to back. <laughs> uh, Dennis. Uh, Dennis, I'll have that Bromo Seltzer now. Gosh, Eddie, those were the days. Good old boy. We used to see a lot of each other then. Oh, yeah. Say, look, Jack, why don't you and Mary come over to my house for dinner next Saturday night? Oh, I'd love to, Eddie. Me too. Good. You see, it's my birthday, and we're having a few friends over. Your birthday, eh? How old are you going to be, Eddie? Uh... <laughs> now, 
come on, Eddie. Tell me. What's the difference? How old are you going to be? How old am I going to be? What's the use of kidding, Jack? Everyone else I can lie to, but not you. You know my right age. You know I'm even older than you. Well, I know. I know. But how old are you going to be? Forty. <laughs> Well, me next. <laughs> Say, Eddie, I was just wondering, how old, and this is just between you and me, you know, how old do you think Al Jolson is? I don't know, but Ida is his daughter. <laughs> no kidding. Well, I've got to run along, Jack. Oh, waiter, waiter. Yes. Uh, my check, please. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, Eddie. Get your hand out of your pocket. Huh? I asked you to sit here. This is on me. No, 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 Jack. You were here already, and I horned in. Wait, give me my check. Oh, no, you don't. Look, Eddie, we've been friends for years. You wrote this wonderful article about me, and now you want to spoil the whole thing. Waiter, how much is Mr. Cantor's check? It's 65 cents. After all, Eddie, I... 65 cents? <laughs> for what? <laughs> all we had was a chicken sandwich and a glass of beer. Jack, I'll pay for you it. You will not. He wrote the article about me. <laughs> How can his bill be 65 cents? All he had was a chicken sandwich and a glass of beer. If he had the beer, why are you foaming at the mouth? <laughs> you keep out of this. Now, waiter, this is outrageous. It's highway robbery. Jack, Jack, don't make a scene. Let me have the check for heaven's sake. I will not. You're my guest. All right, waiter, it's a holdup, but I'll pay it. Can you change a $50 bill? I can change it. You shut up! Jack, it's me, Eddie, the one who wrote all those nice things about you. Like I said in my article, Jack Benny is the most generous man I've ever... You can stop with that already, too. I don't mind being generous, Eddie. But when you first came in here, you said you weren't hungry. Then you sat here and stuffed yourself. (laughs) And ran up a 65-cent bill. (laughs) Oh, flattery won't get you anywhere, Mr. Tander. Here's your check. Come on, Mary, let's go. But Jack, Jack! How do you like that guy? He's gone. Well, I'm glad. Waiter, how much did you say that check was? Sixty-five cents? You no, know, it's three dollars and a quarter. What? He didn't pay his either. <laughs> well, this is a fine how do you do? How do you do? Shut up! <laughs> Stay tuned in for the Amos Mandy Show, which follows immediately. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's our Miss Brooks, followed by yours truly, Johnny Duller. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.